Welcome to podcast number eight. This is podcast number eight. It directly follows podcast number seven, which was probably a much more interesting podcast than this one's going to be. And once again, I apologize. I remember doing this before. I remember apologizing last one for wheezing and coughing. I've got something wrong with my voice today, so you guys are just going to have to deal with it. I've got a little glass of uh, aquavit here that, uh, as you can tell, improves the voice quality. So I'll be uh, sipping on that from time to time during this podcast. Now, what we're going to talk about today is the topic that everybody seems to be most interested in when they write in on the boards. We have uh, got uh, our Q&A going, of course, and uh, probably 25% of the questions on on the Q&A involve injuries. Now, I don't know why everybody asks me about injuries all the time. Uh, I think it's probably because I have the reputation of having been hurt a lot, and as a result, having uh, worked through lots and lots of different types of injuries. I've had about nine different operations, and uh, fortunately, I've never had one on my back, and that's what we're going to talk about today is back tweaks. Back tweaks are probably the most common injury to human beings. We evolved with our spines horizontal to the ground. Now they're vertical. Since we decided to become bipedal six million years ago, we placed our spines in kind of a goofy position for their inherited anatomy and physiology. And as a result, probably all human adults have had a back tweak of some sort. Now, when I say back tweaks, I'm talking in general about back injuries. Back injuries are extremely common. There are two kinds of back injuries. Is it just a broad general grouping? There are the kind that are not that bad, and then there are the kind that are bad. The not bad kind are fortunately the most common of the of the tweaks. Uh, there's more to talk about there, so I think we'll start with the bad ones. The bad kind, the bad back tweaks, bad back pain, typically involve disc-related injuries. Now, again, these are not the most common types of back injuries that we see. Typically, a back tweak is not disc-related, but disc-related injuries do occur. They occur in the form of bulging discs, fractured discs, any kind of an injury to the normal morphology of the disc. Now, you have to be aware of a couple of important things with regard to the disc. As you age, discs dry out. A disc is constructed in a kind of an interesting way. It looks like an onion when you peel it. Uh, It's concentric shells of tough fibrous fibrocartilage Uh, grading toward what is essentially a liquid center. It's called the nucleus pulposus. And as you age, the nucleus pulposus does, in fact, tend to dry out so that by the time you're 50 years old, perhaps, and by the time you're an older guy, the center of the disc has essentially dried out, and your disc is basically a solid thing that doesn't respond to pressure the way it did when you were young. This is both good and bad. It means that an 
a, an older disc is probably tougher to injure because it's dried out and a little thinner. It's probably tougher to injure than a younger disc, but by the same token, it doesn't absorb shock as effectively as it did when it was young. An injury to a disc is fairly easy to diagnose because it is, again, bad. It involves pain that is more than just pain and symptoms, rather, that are more than just local. A a typical back tweak has local pain. It hurts in your back. A bad one, a disc-related problem, will typically present with radiculopathy, which is pain down one of your legs, or numbness or tingling. These are all neurological symptoms, and they indicate that something about the disc has become deranged, and it is pressing on a nerve whose route is down the leg and down the source of the uh, of the of the pain that you feel down the leg, numbness, tingling, that sort of thing. You can see you can feel numb spots along the leg. Sciatica is 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 a is a typical presentation of a radiculopathy. Although sciatica is not normally uh, associated with one of these very horrible injuries, it can be, but you can get sciatica pain uh, down the leg with uh, just some SI joint stuff, which we're going to talk about later. So any pain down the leg, anything that is numbness, tingling, anything that's not just local pain in the back is typically related to uh, a disc injury. And it probably needs to be evaluated. And by evaluated, it's 2013, and evaluation involves, at this point in time, an MRI. Normal x-ray will show a fracture of a bone, but soft tissue stuff needs to be evaluated with an MRI and anything other than an MRI evaluation for something like this is probably not going to be diagnostic for a serious problem. We'll discuss later how this type of injury happens because both of these types of injuries actually happen more frequently outside the gym than they do inside the gym. The bad stuff has got to be addressed. Sometimes it involves surgery. Lots and lots of times it does not. Lots of times it responds to decompression. Now, the less bad tweaks are just what we call just typical tweaks, and everybody gets these from time to time. Uh, I know Marty Gallagher's told me he's never hurt his back. Marty Gallagher's a little older than me, and he says he's never hurt his back. Marty Gallagher is a great liar. And you can go ahead and tell him I said that, but he's, he claims to never have had back pain in his life. And I, I, that's just odd because every other human being I know has had a back tweak at one time or another. It is typically local pain, low back, middle low back. Typically the lumbar is the source of these things, although I've had lots and lots of weird thoracic things happen from time to time. It varies in intensity from the kind that's just a nagging local pain from a small kind of a tweak to something that keeps you awake all night. Most of these things are probably related to one of three types of etiology. Facet joint injuries are very common. Facet joints are the, are the, are the articulations between the vertebral processes that are not the intervertebral discs. And 
it's very difficult to show you a picture here on a podcast, so you're just going to have to look up facet joint on Wikipedia, and in this case, Wikipedia is your friend. Facet joints, probably the most common source of tweak pain like this. It produces a local pain and, and swelling, and, and it may affect the nerve root in the area of the facet joint, or it may just cause local pain. The second source of, of, of this minor tweak pain could be a little muscle. If you look at uh, deep back muscle anatomy, what you'll see is that branches of the long spinal erector muscle, the longissimus dorsi, attach at various points all along the transverse processes and the spinous processes all up and down the back. This big muscle separates into lots and lots of little muscle slips. These can be injured from time to time. Or the third cause is typically the ligaments that are also associated with the intervertebral associations. The back is held together very, very tightly by this system of muscles and ligaments. And it's possible to injure one of these ligaments with, a, with an odd movement as well. Typically, these types of injuries do not cause the radiculopathy, the numbness, the tingling that we see with more serious neurological issues that involve a piece of a disc swelling out and touching a nerve root. These types of things, although they're not typically serious in a neurological sense, can cause a hell of a lot of pain. They can last for a long time, and they can, they can keep you up. They can keep you from training. If you don't know about how to handle them, they'll keep you from training. And they also will scare the hell out of you because, after all, they're back injuries. And back injuries are very bad, as uh, most people perceive them, because they are associated with the spine, and the spine's got the spinal cord in it and all this other stuff. It's a, it's a more complicated situation than that, and it's not typically as, as, as serious a situation as everybody wants to make it out to be. When you have a mild tweak, and again, these are the more common of the types of problems that we see in the back, when you have a mild tweak, what you really need to do with this is to train through it. And the first thing that will happen when you decide that you're going to train through it is it's going to hurt and then it'll get better. It gets better when you work it. It always gets better when you work it. The, the bad kind later on will get better when you work it. But when you, when you have one of these typically non-serious back tweaks, rest it a couple of days and then get right back on it and you'll find that it responds quite positively to training. And the way we train it is to do our regular squat pulling workout, lighter weights, make sure you belt, be very careful to hold a good extended position, and uh, just do enough reps and do enough work on it to make it feel better, and it will, in fact, feel better. The kind with radiculopathy, numbness, tingling, that sort of thing, you'll know not to train those because when you move, things get worse. These need to be evaluated, and there are lots and lots of, of threads that have been started on the board about 
about these types of bad pain that are the result of disc injuries that have responded positively to barbell training over the years. And uh, they're a longer-term problem than the little tweak. When you get a tweak in your back, the pain is going to be around for four or five days, maybe six, seven days, maybe two weeks if it's a bad one. When you hurt a disc, it's going to be weeks, but they do heal. Now let's talk about what healing means in a disc. An injured disc, a fractured disc, a bulging disc may never go back to normal before the injury morphology, but that does not mean it does not heal. It will scar down, and lots and lots of people have lifted great big giant heavy weights after serious disc injuries. And it, it is not a life sentence. It does not constitute reason for panic. It is just something that must be worked through like all other injuries. If you've got radiculopathy, numbness, tingling, this is going to be the kind of injury that has to, has to settle down quite a bit longer than just one of these local pain type injuries. Another common type of back pain that we encounter is SI joint pain. The SI joint is the articulation between the sacrum and the iliac bone of the pelvis. It is right at the bottom of the low back underneath L5. I get it all the time. I understand completely the, the type of feeling that, that you get. And the SI joint is the kind of a thing that responds very, very well to training through it. I've had a lot of times when I've had serious SI joint pain that kept me up all night. I go in the next day and I squat and it goes away. It's gone by the end of the squat work. I would encourage everybody that can, that can muster the courage to try to train through SI joint pain. Again, it's identifiable because it's going to be lower in the back than what you typically associate with lumbar spine pain. It's right down there at the base of the low back on that flat spot right above your butt cheeks. And it'll typically be on one side or the other. And that space is only about an inch and a half wide, inch and a half, two inches wide. If you are able to localize the pain, typically what will, what will show up is that one side or the other are hurting, not both of them. Now, we had said earlier that both of these happen tend to happen more outside the gym than they do inside the gym. And if you'll think about it for just a second, you'll, you'll understand why that is. Inside the gym, you are in a situation where you can precisely control the load on your back. The barbell weighs what you make it weigh. The barbell moves where you make it move. If you're careful and use correct technique when you lift weights, when you keep your back in extension under a load, when you squat and deadlift, when you press, then you are in control of back position and you're in control of most of the risk of a back injury. The stuff that happens outside the gym is the stuff that's outside of our control. Loading hay, putting the lawnmower in the back of the truck. These are the kind of things, working in the yard, picking up stuff that's heavy, picking up big boxes of awkward file paper in the office. This is the sort of thing that hurts your back. And I think if you'll think back on your back injury history, you'll find that lots and lots of your back injuries have happened outside the gym. I know they have for me. The gym is where I typically think about fixing back injuries, not having them. 
as you get older and you hurt your back more frequently outside the gym. Inside the gym stuff becomes more and more problematic, but again, in the gym, you're in control of your back position and you're in control of the position of the load. The loading in the squat and the deadlift follows a very precise pattern. It it operates directly over the middle of the foot and you're in control of the length of the moment arm between the hip and the gravity vector. This gives you quite a bit of control over the potential for injuring things in the gym if you exercise good technique. What happens outside the gym is another story, isn't it? Outside the gym, you're not always, in fact, very damn seldom are you in control of the shape of the load, the distribution of the force in relation to the balance point, middle of the foot, and the length of the moment arm between the load and your hip joint. As a result, things outside the gym tend to expose you to more and more injury potential, the more really, the more active you are. Uh, If you've got a, a manual job, you have probably already figured out how to handle loads safely in order to keep from hurting yourself. Because if you hadn't figured that out, you wouldn't have the manual job anymore. You'd be like hospitalized and shit all the time. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to hand you a little tool bag, a little way to quantify your movements outside the gym in order to keep from getting hurt. Safe load handling. Okay, in order to keep from getting hurt, throwing hay in the back of the trailer and picking up file paper off the floor. There are about three important rules to keep in mind. Rule number one, spinal extension is the best position for your back. This is true in the weight room. It's true outside the weight room as well because spinal extension is the position in which the intervertebral discs are designed to bear compressive loads. When your spine is in normal anatomical position, which is extension, then your intervertebral discs are in a safe position for handling loads. Now, in the gym, we can control that. That refers back to my earlier remarks about the gym being the place where you typically don't hurt your back so much, where you rehab it because you can place it in that position with a very specific amount of weight, work a number of reps on it, and cause the thing to heal up. What happens outside the gym is completely different. We have no control over the fact that most of the loads that we handle outside the gym are not barbells. Barbells are very cool because barbells can be positioned in a way that they are directly over the middle of the foot. We can precisely control their position with respect to our point of balance over the midfoot. And we can therefore control very precisely the distance between the load on the bar and the hip. That's why deadlifts of 900 pounds anymore are not uncommon. You'll notice that no one has ever lifted a 900 pound stone. This is because a stone cannot be positioned in spinal flexion directly over the middle of the foot like a barbell can. In fact, lifting loads outside the gym, flexion of the spine is normal. You can't pick up a bale of hay in perfect spinal extension because the mass of the hay is 
is, is such that it is forward to the middle of the foot and the lumbar spine is going to have to round to a certain extent to move the load. I use hay bales because I've moved a lot of them, but, but we all know that pieces of heavy metal in the junkyard, the stuff we're cleaning out of the car, the dog who needs to be thrown in the back of the truck, whatever. Uh, I, I guess I'm rural, but that's, these are the kind of things that we, that we typically see outside the gym. These are the positions that your back are going to be in when they are loaded normally outside the gym, and flexion will be that position. Now, spinal flexion is not the end of the world. Spinal flexion is normal because, remember, we are handling in spinal flexion sub-maximal loads. If we can figure out a way to keep the spine flexed and still at the same time so that the spinal flexion does not involve any rotation or any change in flexion, then we can handle loads quite safely in spinal flexion because, again, they're sub-maximal loads. The fact that people survive max deadlift attempts with a certain degree of spinal flexion tells you that the human spine can tolerate quite a bit of spinal flexion, even under load. The trick is that the spinal flexion cannot change. We need to freeze the spine in that flex position, move the load, and then after you're unloaded, the spine can come out of flexion and typically there's not any injury. And the reason you know this is because you've done it 5,000 times without hurting yourself. Extension is best, but flexion is normal. Normal flexion, and this is a very, very important point, so listen carefully. Normal flexion is frozen in position and supported by a Valsalva maneuver, by the big held breath. In fact, you're doing it already. When you pick up a big load, take a big breath, hold it, pick up the load. Whether it's inflection or extension, the Valsalva compresses the spine from the anterior and stabilizes the entire structure so that there's no injury. It's a perfectly normal human movement, and you have to learn how to use it if you're going to keep from hurting your back. You take a big breath, hold it, move the load. But suffice it to say that when you perform a Valsalva under a load, you're not going to have a stroke. Calm down, we'll talk about it later. So, spinal flexion is normal, and spinal flexion must be supported by the big held breath. That's what you're already doing. It's a normal human movement pattern. The way you're going to hurt your back in flexion is when you take the back, load it, and then apply another movement within the intervertebral arrangement during the loaded movement. And by this, I mean something like rotation. Think about picking up the lawnmower, putting it in the back of the truck. This is an excellent way to hurt your back because what probably you're going to do is pick this lawnmower up. It weighs 75 pounds. It's not particularly heavy, but it's all out in front of you. It's as far away from the middle of your foot as you can possibly get and still pick the damn thing up. And then what you're going to do is you're going to pick it up and rotate from the low back to stick it in the back of the truck. This is an excellent way to hurt your back because coupled with flexion, we now introduce a rotation, and that rotation is going to take place among the various discs as they are loaded. 
This is the way the disc is precisely not designed to be loaded. The disc can tolerate quite a bit of loaded flexion, but it can't tolerate flexion and rotation at the same time. So what do you do when you pick the lawnmower up? Well, what you do is you pick it up in flexion. And then when you change position from facing the lawnmower to facing the truck, typically a 90-degree rotation, what you're going to do is rotate from the feet. The feet against the ground make the 90-degree rotation, not your back. Your back must be stable. It must maintain stability as you shift the load from facing the side to facing the bed of the truck. If you do it like that, everything will be fine. Rotation must occur at the ground with the feet, not within the spine. And if you'll keep these three simple principles in mind, you'll be quite capable of handling a safe load. Remember that extension is best. Extension is not always possible, though. When it's not possible, flexion is normal. Most people pick loads up in spinal flexion. It's fine. But protect your spine with a big held breath while you do it. And if rotation must be undertaken under a load, do it from the ground with your feet, not internally within the spine. Don't rotate your spine under a load. And everything will be just fine. So this little presentation is going to serve as our intro to the common occurrence of hurting your back. Back tweaks aren't the end of the world. Even bad ones are not the end of the world. Typically, a back tweak is not bad. It responds to training within two or three days. A bad one, characterized by radiculopathy, numbness, and tingling, has to be rested longer. It will need evaluation to determine the actual severity of the injury. But what typically happens in a bad situation is that within six months, you're back to normal again. You're back to lifting weights. You're just as strong as you were before. Don't get discouraged. Everybody hurts their back. I assure you, everybody except Marty Gallagher has hurt their back. And you're going to have to learn how to train through these things and handle it because it's going to happen in the course of your training and in the course of your life. Thank you for listening to our eighth podcast. This is Mark Ripito at the Starting Strength Channel. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.